Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Red Rabbit Insurance. As a real estate investor, I love working with companies and people who truly understand investing. If you're a real estate investor, I highly suggest talking to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance. Red Rabbit specializes in working with investors of all sizes, both for their personal residence, auto, and investment properties. Red Rabbit recently saved one of our investors $5,000 a year by switching to the exact same coverage. That's a down payment on a new rental. I personally saved 15% by switching to Red Rabbit, which is pretty significant. And Red Rabbit Insurance makes it super easy to get a quote. All you need is the address, your full name, and your date of birth. No annoying questionnaires to fill out and Red Rabbit gets you a quote in less than a day. Email ryan at redrabbitinsurance.com or go to the website redrabbitinsurance.com or call 1-800-560-3015. That's redrabbitinsurance.com. Call today to save some money and get better insurance rates for your investments. All right, guys. Welcome. We got uh, Sheldon Zimmerman in the house here uh, for another episode of the Real Estate Hackers podcast. Sheldon, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Chad. All right. So uh, kind of by way of intro here. So Sheldon, uh, God, we've known Sheldon now for a couple of years. Um, and what I love about Sheldon, it's kind of a combo of investor, property manager, worked on the construction side for a while, and a real estate agent. Which is, it's just a little unique to find someone with all that background. Uh, so man, I'm so glad you're here to uh, talk to us. Today. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we kind of just start off, maybe how'd you get into investing? Uh, you know, you've kind of combined a couple different things together here. Uh, how, how'd you get into it and, and how do they kind of work together? Yeah, absolutely. So it uh, kind of all started back right soon thereafter high school. Um, I graduated high school, 03, went to Stevens Tech for electrical technology. Um, but um, at the time I was, uh, told my dad I wanted to go look at a property. So I just picked an, an agent. Went and looked at a property, first investment property. Ended up, um, ended up just uh, not buying that one because at the time I was dating my wife, and I asked her. I said, basically, do you want to? Uh, I'm either going to buy an investment property or I'm going to buy a personal house. And she, uh, she basically came in a roundabout way of uh, my cheap proposal. Um, so. <laughs> so I kind of get married. Yes, yes, pretty much. So, um, so we ended up holding off there. Um, but we right as after we got married, we both got a real estate license, and we start started doing real estate. Uh, didn't know anything much outside of that. Um, 
and it read rich dad, poor dad. And that's when it kind of kicked in. Um, and at that point we actually buddied, uh, made a, uh, one of my friends of ours, we went to a rich dad event and, uh, at the time there was no podcast. There was no, um, easy way to learn bigger free, pockets, bigger pockets mm-hmm. free education. And I ended up, uh, splitting the thing with him. So I spent too much money on that, but it was a great education. I learned a lot from it. Um, because of that, I ended up buying my first one in 2011 with no money down um, and ended up buying several personal properties with no money down um, That's right awesome. off the start. Can we? Uh, so let's just talk a little more about that. So your first investment deal, no money down, how did you structure that? Yeah, so actually uh, I was had a little bit of cash to put down on the property, but I didn't have enough for the down payment. Now the property was, at that time, was a turnkey property. I mean, it was rehabbed uh, and it was really low maintenance, a three unit and uh, cash flowed really well uh, on paper. And so what I ended up doing is probably spending a little more than I should have, but it was a really, really good education as well. And I was so happy I did it. Uh, you know, the first couple of years, uh, so basically what I did is I got, uh, my in-laws um, gave me some funding um, and we gave them an interest rate on that. Um, so we borrowed some money for the down payment, purchased the property. And got a loan too? Did you? Yes. And then, you get so, a loan? Yep. Got a standard residential loan, put it in my personal name um, just for the first one. I just, I, I told myself, look, I just need to do it. And so by that, so I just put it in my, my name, got a standard loan. And then for the down payment, use my in-laws as the down hmm. payment money. And then do you eventually refi it to pay them back or you just pay them back? Yep. Yep. About uh, three years in, then I actually decided to refinance it, was able to pull money out of it, paid them off um, and was able to continue the cash flow. That's that awesome. thing. Now that thing, you know, I was able to cash flow easily. I think last year we were at about $700 a month cash flow. Jeez. Yeah. So that was a really, that was, um, at first it didn't cash flow as well, but give it time, increase rents, give it some time and the equity and everything like that just makes it work really well. Yeah, man. That, and single family home? Is that what it was? Uh, it was actually a three unit. Three unit. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think uh, it's one that's really interesting is like, you know, I look at some of our investments and, you know, the ones we made six, seven years ago are, are cash flowing nice. A lot of our more recent investments are actually not cash flowing. Some mm-hmm. even have been negative. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's tough. You just got to be, you gotta be patient, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just yeah. see the equity grow and the yeah. cash flow grow. And I think it's a good story for any investor is, uh, you know, just to, to see the long-term play here yep. and not freak out when year one, it doesn't quite play out the way it should on paper because, yep. you know, yep. it's, it's a 20-year it's a bet you're making. Really. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I would say even about three and a half years ago, four years ago, I was looking at our investments and, you know, we're, we're about, we're at 23 doors right now. And uh, I was looking at our investments. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not great. Uh, but, you know, as I, as I kept looking at it and thinking to myself, is this right? I mean, I just, the tax benefits, uh, the mortgage pay downs. I mean, it's just getting better and better every year. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you started as an investor, then you went into construction. Yeah. So actually out of school, uh, we did get my real estate license, did that for full time for a little while. And then, but I had graduated from Stevens Tech uh, doing electrical work. So I was in construction for a while, uh, also doing real estate part time. And so I was in doing construction on commercial projects as well as residential projects. So I kind of got the whole gamut there. Uh, running jobs and that kind of stuff. So felt very comfortable with construction. Which is great. And obviously you don't have to know construction as an investor, but it, it sure helps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you walk a property. Yeah. Then from there into property management, right? Yep. 
Um, yep. And, Slate House. Yep. Started working with Slate House and uh, and just managing a lot of properties and doing and just learning so much and, and doing an awesome job uh, that with them that they've been doing such an awesome job and and, and yeah just learning the whole the management side because that's huge. I mean, with any investment, I think, yes, the purchase is the most important part, but in the end, it's ultimately the management side. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then, uh, so then after management, then uh, I guess you, you, you've been a realtor, but now you've really started to scale up working with investors and helping them with your realty team to kind of acquire properties, but, you know, do it, acquire good properties, yeah. I guess, is, yeah. is what you work on there. Yep. Yep. So I have uh, two other agents on my team, and and we've been kind of working specifically. I mean, we'll work with anybody, but um, but specifically investors. Um, we'll sell private homes as well, but um, investors have been really great being able to find and work with a lot of great investors, helping them find good deals from uh, major rehab projects to turnkey properties. It's awesome. It's awesome. So okay. So then, um, what I want to kind of cover on today on this podcast is basically. If you're talking to a relatively new investor, so maybe they've, you know, it's just someone who maybe is their first buy, or maybe they bought a couple properties, um, you know, how do you kind of coach them through the process? What what are the kind of different things that you're gearing them towards that, that maybe an invest, someone who's knows experienced, you know, maybe they, they'd be more willing to do other different things, but ha- kind of talk through some of the points of things, I guess, that you maybe hit on that first time investor or early investor to help them get a buy that's, that's a little safer, you know, it's going to work out. Yeah. 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 And that's important because I mean, a lot of the time thing uh, with, if, if it's your first investment or even you're early on, you know, it's pretty important to make sure you hit on everyone and, and at least do very well with them. Uh, it's not going to make you a millionaire overnight, but um, defining a, so basically we start with what that investor is looking for specifically. And, and, and if, for the first time home buyers, a turnkey I really recommend. Uh, get into that, start managing that property, get a little cash flow coming back from that. So what we'll do is we'll we'll narrow down uh, on a property, know exactly what we can get for rent on that property, run the numbers on that, the maintenance side and everything else. Um, so then once we feel comfortable with the numbers, then we'll go into the inspection side of things and we will um, just do the whole purchase side of things. So run through the inspections, make sure the title's clean and clear, uh, run through the mortgage companies. Um, if you're buying it with a mortgage or if you buy it cash, um, you know, we're running through everything, making sure it's a, it's a good property. Um, and then once you settle, you know, setting you up with the management company, um, and just making sure they have all the information they need, leases and keys and everything else. And, and making sure that, um, you know, we get that thing rented out, at the numbers that we 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 projected to be, because that's important. I mean, right. if we don't get that right, that's that's important. So I think working with Slate House in that manner, we know the markets very well um, and what things can rent for. That's awesome. Um, talk me through like what class of properties you kind of suggest, or, or do you suggest a kind of early investor target? Yeah, I I definitely think an early investor should not look at your rougher neighborhoods. Um, yeah, they might look well on on paper um but it's just with maintenance costs with tenant placement um it sometimes is not doesn't end up being as good as what the paper starts so if if for a first for a first time investor i definitely recommend uh your your better neighborhoods your b-class neighborhoods um it might not cash flow as well 
but it's going to be stable, um, you know, a single family as well, because it's it's very predictable, very easy to run the numbers with because uh, the tenant's responsible for water, sewer and trash and all utilities. So yeah. it just makes it a clean uh, and very simple month to month type situation. And so we just found that it's a lot. I just I recommend that just to get stable, learn how the market is. And as you become a better investor, then you can get into some of the larger maybe a little bit riskier rehabs and that kind of stuff. So can you just go, I guess, one layer deeper there? I, so I totally agree. Kind of talk like, so single family home versus a multifamily and what makes a single family home just a little more simple for an investor? Yeah, so at least here in the state of PA, I mean, with with how they handle multifamilies, um, you know, they're going to at least stick one meter on the property. And water meter and and so what ends up happening is th- that is the owner's responsibility for paying the water or sewer right uh, and in multi in multi-family cases you're also paying the trash yeah. so there's a little bit of variable there depending if the tenant feels like they just want to leave the the water running you know right. sometimes that can happen but it's it's there's just not as much variables and and I do have some people say well what if you have three a three unit and one tenant moves out you know you're at least making two months rent compared to a single family sure. well if you own three homes it's the same thing you yeah. know and and it and one you're having to deal with less tenants um, and not that that's a bad thing it's just there's less maintenance things potentially as well uh, depending on the property and just becomes a lot cleaner with a one tenant and one rent and you know you're not paying any variable utility costs yeah. it's all in the tenant yeah it's interesting we uh I, mean, I, I couldn't agree more we own single families and multis and once a month i go through and i do kind of a financial analysis of each property and our single family homes i mean uh, you know i kind of group them at the, the top of the list basically and then i fly through them i mean it's just it sounds simple, but it's just, it's one tenant. So it's one person you're seeing, are they, you know, are they current on rent? Everything look good here. And then, like you said, utilities, it's it's one trash bill that they're paying for. Yeah. One water bill they're paying for. Yep. Um, if it's gas or heat, one gas bill they're ultimately getting billed for. Yep. You know, one ultra, so just your number of moving parts there are just so much less. Yep. Uh, and then when I get to some of our multis and look, we're equal opportunity. I, I think you can make a, obviously make a ton of money in yeah, multi-family. Um, but, uh, it, it sure takes longer and there's just a lot more that can go wrong. You know, even something as simple as just, uh, you know, tenant moves, moves in and the electric's not in their name yet, or, you know, water, common water bills high, as you mentioned, because the water's running out of toilet. These are all things you got to kind of keep in mind. Yeah. Sure makes it easier. Yeah, absolutely. And, and interesting thing too, with my personal investments, I would say the last seven properties that I bought ended up being single families. I ended up going starting at multifamilies, the six unit, the three unit, a couple two units, and I ended up more shifting towards the last several that I bought here in this market anyway, a single family. Just seemed to make more sense. The dollars seemed to work a little bit better with yeah. them. Now again, you can still make multifamily. I'm not saying you can't, um, but I just found that it's a lot, uh, a lot cleaner, a lot smoother, and just a lot, lot less moving parts. Talk me through like location a little bit. Do you no, not just not just the class? We kind of talked about that. We trying to avoid some rougher neighborhoods. Do you encourage an investor to buy an investment property in their hometown, or? You know, do you say, hey, look, if it's an hour away, that's okay. How do you kind of, because I'm sure that gets, comes up a lot in some of yeah. the conversations. I mean, ultimately, it's up to the, the guy the that wants to buy it if he wants to be close. But I do find that, um, you know, depending what type of investment somebody's 
interested in. It just makes more sense to to maybe be within that hour time frame. I mean, you have a good management company manage the property for you because um, a lot of people don't have time. They have careers, they have families, they have they don't have time to manage that property. And so right. I, I personally don't manage my own. Uh, Slate House manages mine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's you know, I could, but I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, I just think whether it be an hour away or whether it be three hours away, I mean, I think you can still do a really good job at finding a good deal. And I think that the, you know, the type of class, the the property type and everything else is very important. And so you're looking at the numbers, what you can get for rent. And I think that kind of ultimately, in my opinion, determines what uh, you can buy and what you should buy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I think, I think sometimes investors think it's better off something down the street and I mean, the, the reality is, I mean, I look at the stuff we own, you know, we, we try to walk every property like once a year, but outside that one time I'm in it, I'm, I'm probably not over there. So whether it's, I mean, as long as it's been the driving distance, I'm not, you know, day to day, I'm not really going. Right. If something's wrong, I ask them to take pictures, take a video. I mean, it's amazing what tech can do now. Absolutely. Where, you know, if you force it to be kind of in that three block, you know, one mile radius, you've just really cut off. A lot of available properties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's one thing we've done. I mean, uh, with a lot of my tenants, we've kind of trained them to where the, if there's an issue, to take pictures. And as soon as I can, you know, I can look at the pictures and I can determine usually what's going on. Um, and so that's just with technology and everything else, it just makes things a lot easier to be not right, you know, in your neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, the properties might not cash flow if they're in your neighborhoods, might not cash flow at all. Right. And so it doesn't really make sense to be in your in certain neighborhoods. Right. Okay. I mean, that, that's super smart. Uh, talk me through financing a little bit. Do you try to, and you said your first buy, you actually put no money down. Do you try to recommend a, a more traditional financing path where they're bringing 20% to the table or do you do you encourage someone to go out and kind of find private money or how, how do you kind of think about that when you're coaching maybe an early investor? Yeah, I mean, um, so really, again, it just kind of depends on the person personality. But I mean, I I personally love the Burr strategy. I mean, you can get in on that property if you have hard money lender. Um, we've done we work with a couple hard money lenders and my buyers did. And so they'll end up buying a property, rehabbing it, whether they use the hard money or personal and then turn around and refinance that thing. Uh, and if you can get in on that thing with minimal money down and and no money out of pocket, you know that's that's golden ticket right there. And um, you know, but if if the, one you don't have time for that, um, you know, you can get really good interest rates on personal on personal name loans and, mm-hmm. and everything like that, and that just can make the cash flow each month work really well as well. Yeah, are you? Uh... I know sometimes like it's tough for an investor to find someone who's doing a, a you know a private financing. Are you actually helping investors find the 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 kind of the connections for the hard money loans out there? Yeah, a lot of guys will ask. Um, you know, they don't have all the connections. So yeah, we do have a list of guys that we work with: hard money lenders, uh, conventional lenders. We have work with banks, a couple banks, um, and have good relationships with them that they're able to give us good rates as well. And we have we know the guys that are um, are really aggressive, um, that are you know really want to help and work with investors because they see the upside that these guys bringing value into the communities, you know, fixing up properties, whether that be fixing up or running, a, you know, a very nice rental property. Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, I think one thing, you know, I talk to sometimes 
investors they'll work with an agent or they won't have an agent at all. And uh, I think you know one of the things you're, they're missing is it's not just help finding the property. There's a lot of other things that go along with yeah. buying an investment yeah, property. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, and typically the 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 financing arm is probably not going to be the bank that you do your day to day banking with. I mean, yep. I, so I use yep. bank, so Bank of America, oddly enough, is who I do my checking and banking through. Yep. And we've acquired a lot of properties, and oddly enough, Bank of America has never done any of the financing for it. Yep, yeah, exactly. You know, biggest bank in America, obviously, and uh, you know, and so as a you know, early on, you just you know, you may not even know where to go. Yeah. Right, and and then you get into hard money, and I think a lot of times first time investors don't even know what hard money is, right? Yep. So to kind of be guided through that process with trusted folks who can get things done and and frankly have products that cater to early investors because mm-hmm. um, I found certain banks work really well once you're at a scaled level but their first couple investments are kind of not interested in they want to see a track record maybe or something like that so that's awesome yep yep yeah so there's a lot of banks out there that will yeah won't well, yeah same here I don't use my personal banking uh, for my loans for my uh, pro, uh, rental units so you know, it's just one of those things that to build those relationships, and I've done that with so many of these banks and 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 hard money lenders as well. That is, you know, some good 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 connections there. So when I first got into investing, I always wanted the property to have tenants in there because I had this awesome model that I thought was perfect. And you know, in my model, it was like, well, look, if there's tenants in there, they're paying rent right away. Yep. Right. And yep. I, maybe I don't pay my first mortgage payment for a couple months on the road, so. I'm getting a couple months of rent, maybe a month or two before my first mortgage is due, decreases my down payment yep. on the property. Yep. Uh, you know, but as I've gotten into this more, I realized <laughs> like just because there's tenants in there doesn't mean they're paying rent yep. tenants. Yes. Uh, do, yes. Do you have an opinion on that of kind of like uh, vacant versus uh, you know occupied investment property? Yes, absolutely. No, I, I would. I. Uh, I'm, it, either one's not going to steer me away from the deal, but I would much, much prefer them not in the unit. I mean, just if, no tenant in the property when it's purchased. I mean, you can work out a you can work out a situation too if you have a a, 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 a property management company working for you. Um, you can put in part of the deal that if it is vacant, they can start marketing that property for rent before you even settle on the property. Um, but I I I just find it so much better. Even this. I just had a recent one where I had a client purchase the property. Tenant had a decent lease. Uh, everything looked okay. Tenant was the the seller was said everything was okay. But well, they were not. Were, they were not. They were down five hundred bucks when they started, even the month. And so uh, we didn't we didn't get any of the rents when they when we started managing the property. And 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 the the buyer ended up having to kick them out and didn't get collect rent. You know, for the first couple months. So that's that's huge. I mean, that's that's a big that's a big deal. And so um, plus clean out costs. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, turnover costs and everything. You know, so now, like, because if it's vacant, you know, you're probably going to get a, a unit that's in basically rent ready condition. Yep. I mean, you, you know, you can't guarantee everything works great. When it, we've all seen tenants move in, and all of a sudden there's a sewer backup or something. But you have a much better idea of okay, this thing's kind of ready to go, as opposed yep. to you walk the unit and you're like, oh, this looks fine. With it being occupied, and then the tenant moves on. And it's like in that last month they do damage. Yeah. The refrigerator has mold in it. You know all these things that you didn't see up front. Yep, yep. The posters covering up holes. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Yep. 
Right. Yeah. So no, I, 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 I agree because I mean, the biggest, you know, cost in anything is usually that turnover, you know, uh, you know, you put in certain things and that's why I always recommend, you know, I'll walk through with my buyers and say, Hey, this is, you know, you don't want carpet in the flooring because you're going to have to ultimately that'll last maybe one tenant and you're going to have to replace that every time. So yeah. it just becomes this certain maintenance ideas to kind of prolong and, and make turnovers quicker and cheaper. But especially when you're buying a property, if there's a tenant in, um, Always make sure that uh, always make sure that that tenant is paying, and uh, if they're not, you know, again, you don't want to be stuck in that situation where you're stuck evicting them and spending 45, <laughs> 60 days trying to get them out. All right. Uh, when when you walk a property, we talked about kind of estimating maintenance a little bit. How do you, you know, let's say you're walking a property and it, it needs some work. Not a 50K rehab, but it needs, you know, five to 10. Yeah. How do you help an investor kind of comp with that number? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've done that when I was actually doing electrical work, I was actually doing estimating. And um, and and so I actually, with a bunch of my rehabs as well, I kind of had a baseline of what things cost. And being with a property management company, we kind of have a baseline of what things cost. So I'm able to just walk through with my clients and say, hey, look, this flooring here, if we put in luxury vinyl plank flooring throughout the whole property, um, you know, you're looking at $5,000 there, you know, depending on how big the house is and everything else. Um, so I'm able to just kind of give them a rough, you know, real rough guess of what things cost. Hey, I know this, I know we got to replace the boiler. So we're looking at maybe four, $4,500 to $5,500 for that, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's I'm able to, you know, kind of help them and guide them in the maintenance side of things. So do you recommend, I know this is, Maybe you don't have a, a black and white answer here, but do you recommend someone get an inspection prior to closing? Yeah, if it's the first time, I definitely recommend. If it's their first property, absolutely. Because I think, I mean, you could save that $700 or so, 500 bucks on the inspection. But um, for a first-time guy, that I think that's really important just to kind of get an idea or feel how old the roof is. You know, because when you're walking the property, you're not climbing up on the roof and seeing everything. So I do recommend that. Me personally, I've got to the point where, you know, if the deal makes sense, I'll, I'll move ahead with it without an inspection. And as a season, as you become a seasoned investor, you know, that's something you might be able to overlook. But at first, I, I definitely recommend it because then you can kind of see what issues there are. Yeah. Uh, because, there, you know, you can't see sewer lines. You can't see that kind of stuff. So right. So it's, it's pretty important to make sure you're on top of that. Yeah. I've also found uh, one nice benefit of the inspection. And I've gone back and forth. We did the same thing early on. We got inspections and later we, we stopped kind of getting inspections. But it is interesting. It, it helps you negotiate a little bit mm. when there's a third party you know, in a, in a nice binder yep. that says <laughs> 40 to 50 pages long with pictures yeah. and everything. It yes, says absolutely. like, you know, this thing has some major problems. Yep. You hand that over to someone. It's a little easier to kind of argue like, Hey, we've got some issues here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. And, and you're able to knock off a couple thousand usually depending on the situation of the house. If, if there's any issues found. Yeah. Yeah. Which basically pays for the inspection. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, so does. how do you think through like, I had an investor just the other day ask me like what we considered a good deal in this market right now. It's an interesting question, right? Like, you know, someone's going out and buying a single family home. Uh, you know, they want to hold it for the next, you know, 10 years or whatever. Uh, you know, as you think through like, I don't know if it's like IRR or, or however you're kind of helping your investors evaluate, is it a good deal or not? What's kind of, is there like a metric that you're kind of, gearing them towards or how are you kind of thinking about that yeah i i look at i'm i look at 
pretty heavily, I shouldn't say heavily, but I look at the cash on cash return. How much are you putting down for the first year compared to what you're projected to get with rent and everything? And, you know, I want to see, I want to see at least, you know, anywhere from 10 to 12% cash on cash. Um, and depending on the neighborhoods, maybe a little bit higher for the more seasoned investor. Um, but so like if it's a rougher neighborhood, we want to definitely see 15 to 20%, you mm. know, kind of thing. Um, but, but I would definitely look at, you know, that. So anywhere, if you're buying an $80,000 house, you know, you're probably, um, you know, renting that thing out for $1,200 a month, um, depending on the neighborhoods, um, maybe a little less, maybe a thousand bucks a month, um, still about the 1% or a little bit better. Um, and, and basically at that point, um, you know, if you're getting a hundred or more dollars per month on that cash flow, you know, that's a pretty good deal in this market right now. And a lot of times we can get a little bit better than that. A couple of the last we bought were anywhere from 200 to 250 um, on cash, cash on cash. Yeah, that's pretty good. Month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially considering, I mean, it's interesting. I was just looking, I was looking at some of our properties and you're making this point too, which is, you know, six, seven years ago, our first couple of properties, they made no money yeah. the first couple of years. Yep. You know, but now those things are this year going to make five grand, yeah. right? And, yeah. and that just really comes from, you know, a mortgage payment. If you buy your own name, pretty well a flat mortgage payment. Yep. Inflation's going to push up rents, you know, so you don't have to be aggressive, two and a half percent, you know, a year, you know, over seven years. That's a, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. I mean, we, the, there was a six unit we bought and when we bought it, we were gross, gross income was about 2,600 a month. And we were able to increase that to 3400 a month in just a couple of years. So, I mean, just that couple hundred dollars just was huge in, in, in that. So, I mean, just to be patient, yes, things will come. And, and if you have that flat interest rate lock for 30 years, I mean, if you have it in your name, man, that's that's a good deal. And that'll keep getting better every year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where interest rates are right now, Yeah. you have that locked in for 30 years. I mean, 15 years down the road, 20 years down the road... I mean, something crazy would have to happen for that rent to not be doubled or yeah. two and a half times what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's, that's pretty serious yeah. money coming in yeah. at that point. Yeah. And, and and not only are you in that year 20 or so of that mortgage, I mean, you're aggressively, that's getting paid down even right. heavily. Right. I would say paid down. Yeah. That's great. Um, is there anything else that you kind of talk about with early investors when you're kind of helping coach them? Yeah. I mean, again, I always, uh, it's always about, trying to save money in the turn, you know? So setting yourself up to, with a property that's gonna save you money in the long run because, you know, your roofs, your HVAC units are your probably two biggest expenses on a property. So knowing the condition and how old they are when you purchase that property. And so, you know, have, what's the condition of the inside of the, of the house? Is it, uh, you know, is it all carpet? Is it all, um, you know, neon green paint, you know, so, you know, what is the, what is the situation inside the house? Because as that tenant moves in out, you know, there's turnover costs there. So being able to set yourself up in that apartment to have a quick turnover, but also a very inexpensive turnover is really important. We want to be able to clean that thing out um, really quickly um, and, and get uh, new renters in. We, uh, we had a, we had a unit uh, just recently that it was uh it was yellow, yellow paint and purple trim. Oh, yes. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the double whammy. Yeah. Uh, yellow, pa yellow paint all everywhere and then purple trim around. Oh. Like, 
three coats of new paint had yeah. to cover everything. Yeah, yeah. so our, our maintenance guy who we were talking to, he you know he went to paint it, and then a couple days later he painted it again, and we were talking to him the next week, and said, so what's on tap this week? And he said, well, I'm going, I'm going to paint that unit. I said, what? Well, you've already been there twice, he said. Yeah, it's yellow and purple. You know? <laughs> and yep. it's still yellow and purple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. You know. So, yeah, I, I, like like you said, I mean, I just think it's really important to know and set yourself up to have, uh, have that property set up to cost you less in the turns. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, let's see. I, I mean, that, that is just great. Great advice for a, uh, you know, early investor. Uh, oh, there's one thing I wanted to cover was, do you do you suggest that people, I know I'm a big fan of them getting like pre-approved for loans that you can kind of aggressively put in offers. Do you, do you coach people through that? Yeah, that is, yeah. I mean, that is probably one of the first things that we're going to do. Um, if an investor is interested, um, what we'll do is say, look, I mean, the, we can't do anything until we get a pre-approval letter. If you're if you're using a mortgage lender, that's something like that. So we're gonna we're gonna sit down and get kind of that situated first. That way we can aggressively attack properties because because things are aren't lasting on the market, especially the really good deals. So um, we really want to try and set that individual up so they can move quickly once they find that perfect asset for what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. I know we used to when we were in our kind of heavy acquisition mode. I used to always, not only did I have a, a pre-approval letter, but I also would uh, tell the, the seller, i say, look, I mean, once we come to terms, we don't really walk away from deals, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, uh, you know, so here's my pre-approval and I'm, I'm an investor. I want to buy, we have a track record of buying and we're going to close on this and we're going to close in, you know, as short amount of time as, as I think I can pull it off. Yep. Uh, because they, people are just so terrified of, you know, two days before closing, the deal falls apart, right? Now you're back to square one. Mm -hmm. Especially if the unit's vacant and the investor's not putting a new tenant in. And now it's just yeah. it's losing money for everybody. Yep. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, cool, Sheldon. Man, thanks so much for joining. I, 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 one more question here I want to close on, which is I always ask all our guests, as you kind of project out for the future, the next like five years, uh, you know, Real Estate Hackers podcast, we're, we're big into tech. We're big into systems and what's changing in real estate, kind of like the, you know, what we call the next generation of real estate. Um, what are the things that you're thinking about that will kind of change for that investor who's, you know, investing passively? What, what kind of tech are you excited about maybe or, or things you see changing in the, in the future that'll make it easier for investors? I think information is is the biggest thing. I mean, you can easily find, I shouldn't say easily, but you can you can find things out very quickly um, that's not in your local market. I mean, just the the finding out what things are rent for to um, being able to find deals online, be able to to work with individuals. I mean, a couple of the individuals I've worked with so far are out of state and even out of the country. Um, that I've helped find deals for. And so, um, you know, that just, um, we're not limited to just um, your local area or your local state. Um, you can easily find things uh, country and uh, throughout the country. Um, and I think through that um, definitely, definitely helps. And, and technology, I mean, um, you know, working with tenants and being able to pay online. And I think just increases the ability to, to collect rents um, better because tenants are able to pay online. There's still some that don't, but I think because of that, uh, uh, we've just seen a better, I think, an increase in being able to collect the rents. 
um, and and just seeing that. So I think technology in general has just been an, a total asset for that, which a lot of um, a lot of companies don't utilize. Which I think Slatehouse does an excellent job at just making things, streamlining things, making it cost effective uh, for the the investor as well. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like when you think about. I mean, I asked this to every, all of our guests, and I think you're the first person to really hit on it. And you put your right in the money, which is one of the biggest changes to real estate investing is information. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And it's a game changer, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Where yep. you know, I mean, I, I wasn't in real estate then, but I can only imagine 30 years ago to get into real estate, you almost had to know somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. who do you know? Yeah. Who's your guy? Yep. You know, who can get you access to information? Whereas now, I mean, so much of that's available, you know, on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because I mean, even when I bought my first one, I, I you know, I was. I was the novice person that just accepted the fact what the rents were. And with my three unit, it was fully rented. I just accepted the fact that that was the rent. And, um, you know, if as you learn and as you see, you can project things out a little bit better and and know you can buy maybe a, a property that needs painting and carpet or painting and flooring. And what you can do then is really project what you can get for rent once that property is fixed up. Yeah. You know, so just that information there and just that freedom to do that where before, yeah, I would have to, I would have to you know, know the right people and ask the right questions to get their opinions on are, it. Are you, do you think you'll make more investments that are not kind of in an hour drive from you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I've, yeah, I, I think it's something that you can easily, easily do now. Because um, you own not, stuff in Memphis. Yeah. Right? I, I personally own a property in Memphis that, and, and one in Kansas drive. City. No, just a little longer than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Neither of those. Actually. Yeah. So, I mean, it gave me an opportunity. Now, the interesting one, the first furthest one away was Kansas City. I ended up buying that one. I actually flew out for the day, flew out in the morning, took a look at it, flew back in the evening. And so that was fine. The My Memphis one, um, I, you know, I did a third-party inspection and uh, trust the management company to do the right thing. And uh, so far, it's been working out really well. So you've never even been to Memphis? I've never been to Memphis. Amazing. I've never even sold a property. I mean, yeah, just amazing what tech can do and uh, and how it can open up channels for you yep. to diversify Absolutely. across different cities. Yep. So. Yep. Well, cool, Sheldon. How uh, If people are you know listening to this podcast saying, man, I've always wanted to get into real estate, I'd uh, love to talk to you more. What's a good way to reach you? Um, ZimmermanTeam.com. Um, you can go to my website. That's a great spot. Um, you can go that's check me out. URL on... too, Zimmerman Team. Yeah. I like that. ZimmermanTeam.com. Yep. That's a yep. good one. And you can check me out on Facebook, Instagram, um, and Zimmerman Team, R-E-I on Instagram. Um, and, now, uh, do you run that? You don't run that Instagram. Do you? I, There's I, no uh, way. There's I no way. <laughs> That's what my beautiful wife is for. <laughs> yes. Yes. My uh, my wife uh, Ashley has a hundred thousand Instagram followers. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and um, real estate hackers Instagram. Which, by the way, you should follow. We're trying to make some part. I think we've got two hundred and fifty. Okay. <laughs> uh, and she makes fun of me like yeah. every day. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm like, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm like, I'm posting good stuff. I'm like, you know. You should follow Real Estate Hackers uh, Instagram. There you but, go. Uh, there you go. But man, 100,000 followers. I mean, she really knows what she does. That's, so it seems like yeah. you've got your wife uh, maybe also yes. taking care of the yes. Instagram. I uh, do. I do. Zimmerman Team REI. Well, cool, man. Thanks, Sheldon, for joining us. I hope uh, you know folks out there are trying to buy an investment property. Hope you learned something. Uh, you know, we're a big fan of Sheldon, and he's definitely helped a ton of investors buy. 
by property. We just honestly, a lot of what I want to do is just help people, you know, start to invest. They don't need to hit home runs. Yep. Hit a base hit and it can literally change your life. Absolutely. But it's not going to change your life tomorrow, right? But these things can start building on themselves and, uh, yeah. you know, it, it just starts setting yourself in a really good financial situation. Yeah, so. I mean, just to go along with that, I mean, just if you buy one and buy one every year, whatever the case might be, but as you buy them, just the, we didn't talk about this much, was the tax relief and tax benefits that that has on top of that thing. And so, I mean, as you kind of start seeing that at it, first you don't see it really well, but as as you start buying more and more properties, that tax, that tax relief is really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll end on this note. We just, so we just finished our taxes last year yep. not good it took us a while <laughs> we changed accountants and the whole thing there but uh i mean i'm almost embarrassed to say this i didn't pay any tax last yep. year yep first awesome. time in my life that's awesome did not pay a dollar in yes. tax that's awesome uh and to the point where i thought something was wrong i, like, <laughs> I mean it wasn't right i've been paying a lot of tax in my life and uh yeah just it is incredible mm. what real estate can do when, when you start and then obviously the new tax laws have really helped. I mean, there's no question that there were some nice benefits, um, yep. bonus depreciation, things like that, that we didn't have before, which is a whole other conversation. But yeah, man, it's it's wild. So, well, cool, Sheldon. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys all uh, next week. Oh, hey, last thing. We're going to have a conference here in April, Real Estate Hackers Conference. Uh, yes, you yes. want to come? Are you going to be oh, there? I'm going to be there. I will be there. All right. We'll, we'll give Sheldon like a half hour slot to talk to folks who maybe want to invest for the first time and uh, give a little tutorial. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, man. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. So that's our episode of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows, you may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.